Welcome to the SOSV Climate Tech Summit podcast series. I am the AI voice of Ben Joff, a partner at SOSV and co-curator of the summit. In this episode, the founders of Span and Quilt talk about the electrification of homes. Span has developed a smart panel that helps homeowners integrate new devices and manage their electricity use. Quilt is building an aesthetically pleasing residential electric heating and cooling system. They discuss the challenges of expanding the grid and the confusion homeowners face when transitioning to electrification. They also mention the importance of building relationships with contractors and the impact of the Inflation Reduction Act, which provides subsidies for electrification. Both speakers express their excitement about the future of electrification. This conversation is moderated by Emily Pontecorvo, staff writer at Heatmap. Thanks so much to SOSV for having us today. Welcome to this panel on our new relationship with electricity. As I'm sure many of you know, tackling climate change requires a massive shift from fossil fuels to electricity. Whether we're talking about how we get around in our cars, to how we heat our homes, to how we power factories. But this is much easier said than done. There are challenges in expanding the grid and ensuring that it's reliable, in upgrading millions of buildings and assembling the workforce to get it all done. So it's great to be here today with these founders who are trying to solve some of these issues in really unique and interesting ways. First, we have Arch Rao, the founder and CEO of SPAN. SPAN is a tech startup that's reinventing the home electric panel for the era of electrification. They've developed a smart panel that helps homeowners more easily integrate new devices like electric vehicle chargers and also better understand and manage their electricity use. We also have Paul Lambert, the founder and CEO of Quilt. Quilt is building a residential electric heating and cooling system that is not just energy efficient, but also aesthetically pleasing. The company is integrating this heat pump system with software that uses artificial intelligence to make the whole process of switching from fossil fuel heating as smooth as possible. So Arch, I wanted to start the conversation with you. Why did you believe the electrical panel was ripe for a retrofit? You know, what, what problems were you solving for with this project product? Yeah, um, the electrical panel is a fairly ubiquitous device. There is no home or building in the world that isn't served by an electrical panel. And by design, the power coming in from the grid, the power being generated by new forms of energy like solar, and all of your appliances, be it an electric vehicle charger, that's a new appliance, or a traditional appliance like an air conditioning system connected to the electrical panel. To me, I think it serves as the best um, gateway in the home for managing both energy and power. Um, and that's, that's why we started by reinventing the panel. That has been an analog device for a very long time now. And Paul, what about you? There are already very efficient heat pumps out there on the market. Why aren't they good enough? What's missing? Yeah, so the issue isn't the efficiency. I agree. They're, they're very efficient heat pumps out there. Um, the issue is uh, sort of the attractiveness of one class of the products. So, so you can either have ductless heat pumps, which are generally speaking, large white plastic boxes, no matter who you buy them from, or you can have a central heat pump. And um, there's a large class of homes and buildings generally where the ductless systems are are stronger on every dimension except for sort of the aesthetics and installability. And uh, there's also a bunch of upside you can get when you network them together and no one really does that together today. So it was about taking a product that is great on paper and making it great in real life and uh, and unlocking some additional upside that you know currently isn't being explored. 
So in some of my reporting on electrification, one thing that always comes up is that it can just be a really confusing process for homeowners. Like, you know, some people are concerned that they'll be more vulnerable to blackouts or that their bills will go up. Um, some people talk to a contractor who tries to convince them to keep gas. And then taking a step back, you know, this this new relationship with electricity, you know, we're at entering this moment where we're sort of asking homeowners to, you know, even get involved in energy markets and sort of selling their energy back to the grid. Um, so I wanted to start actually with Paul here, because I know this is something Quilt has thought quite a lot about. What are the big sources of confusion around heat pumps today? And how is Quilt trying to address those? Uh, well, I, I think I just touched on one, which is there's already this decision right away around duct versus ductless, which is not something most people have ever thought about before. Um, there's another one where, you know, there's a lot of uh, maybe misinformation in the market. Historically, uh, heat pumps in the past didn't work so well on colder temperatures. That's not as true anymore. Uh, but that kind of still pervasive, especially around a lot of the um, sort of older workforce. So consumers will call and actually ask for a heat pump because they've learned about it somewhere and uh, and sometimes not get the right information. And so I actually had that happen. I live in Redwood City, California. It's a warm climate. Um, when I was first getting into this about two years ago, I tried to get a heat pump installed and, and they told me it wouldn't work here. And uh, so that was a little surprising. So yeah, there's, there's, there's misinformation. There's also a lot of uh, decisions that people have to make in terms of, like I said, ductless versus ducted. Does it work with my existing home? How, how big of a job of it is it? The, the pricing is not very transparent at all. Uh, people generally don't know what they're going to spend until they get a quote uh, which happens after a site visit. Um, so we just think there's a lot. Basically, the Internet hasn't really hit this market. Like there's not really good transparency and you can't directly uh, directly as a consumer be empowered to make a decision like you can in other markets. So so what are some of the ways that Quill is trying to address some of these sources of confusion? Yeah. So, I mean, the first part is create a desirable product that that engenders consumer demand and pull, right? So this is a market that honestly, the products are often treated as commodity. You don't know if you're getting a Mitsubishi or a Daikin until you see the quote. And uh, when I said the internet hasn't hit a market, generally what happens is the consumer gets a more direct relationship with the manufacturer, right? So we don't really have travel agents anymore because we can go direct to the, the airline companies. Um, but then you have to build that uh, consumer-centric purchase experience that is empowering to the consumer. So you have to create low-friction ways for people to do research, complete purchases, get their questions answered, use the technology that they're comfortable using in order to make those decisions. Uh, so it's doing all that. It's creating a great product and then making it available for purchase online with low friction uh, journeys that really will be familiar to people that have been using e-commerce in many different parts of their life. And just one more follow up on that. I mean, who do you see as the customer base for Quilt? Like, is it anyone and everyone who wants to electrify their home or are there particular you know, building types or situations where this product will make sense? Yeah, I mean, similar, Arch said something at the beginning, which is that every home and building basically has an electric panel. It's kind of similar, right? Essentially, every building has a heating or cooling system or both. And so in some ways, the challenge of the startup is that the market's almost too big. Um, which is kind of a funny thing to say, but we, it's really important to focus. So we are going after uh, single-family homes, think detached single-family homes, suburban residences. This is 70% of America. Uh, they have an outsized carbon footprint. 
and they are a good fit for distributed ductless systems where it's like window-based systems, for example, are much better fit for multifamily, uh, not a good fit for, for single-family homes. And as you might expect, we're going for sort of design-centric, tech-comfortable consumers to start. These are the people who are probably on the forefront of other things electrification, right? They probably own an EV, they're looking at solar. Uh, they may well have a span panel. Um, that, that's kind of our, our, our consumer. Can you actually just describe for people tuning into this, like what, um, why are the existing heat pumps sort of not aesthetically pleasing? And then what are you, how are you improving on those? I don't know if I have to describe it. Maybe I can just point it out. <laughs> they may, like truly 95, maybe 8% of the market looks like that. doesn't matter what brand you buy it from. So, I mean, like yeah. that has a place and it's functional and, but I think it was designed from a very utilitarian perspective. Um, it's also quite large. That's the other really important factor about it is that um, they're taller than most people want to put these about in places of their home where they won't fit. So another thing we really had to invest on was uh, reducing the size so that we could kind of more seamlessly integrate with the home. It wasn't really designed for the American market. It was actually really designed for an Asian market. And then it was imported and it uh, was never really sort of rethought in terms of the form factor. So we're still on this topic of sort of customer confusion and customer experience. And Arch, I wanted to move on to you. So the electrical panel is probably not the first thing that someone thinks of when they think, oh, Mm -hmm. I want to make my home more efficient or I want to electrify. So how do you sell this product? Like, how do people find out about it? Yeah, that's a good question. In fact, electrification is not often the thing that customers are thinking about, they're often thinking about an end benefit they're getting, right? They're either looking to get resilience for their home or they're looking to get home charging or comfort for their home in the form of air conditioning, right? Um, So it's very rarely electrification or definitely the electrical panel that people wake up and think about doing, except for maybe a handful of folks that are already uh, pretty um, at the bleeding edge of, let's say, green energy adoption, right? Uh, the electrical panel that we build is therefore bundled with a lot of products that customers think about buying on, on a regular basis or are offered by partners of ours. So we, we initially started off by pairing the span panel with a home battery as the rate of uh, outages in the U.S. was continuing to grow uh, given the, the impacts of climate change on utilities trying to provide and supply energy consistently. Um, storage adoption went up and pairing our panel with the storage products allowed us to have a relevance in that decision customers made. And we made it a very simple economic decision for them. You could either buy multiple batteries, which is often required to, to meet the power requirements for your home, for your whole home. Or you can have a single battery and a span panel that often costs less and can still get fully software controlled or software defined backup if you will. We expanded from there to include an electric vehicle charger. That's a span-made EV charger because EV adoption has far outpaced storage adoption. And that almost always is the first step in the journey of electrification that customers take. And that's been a very successful product for us because first-time EV buyers very uh, very rarely have the amount of capacity, the current capacity uh, in their home to fully charge their car at high speeds. So our panel acts as a control system, if you will, when pairing with our, uh, with our EV charger. And then we've been expanding beyond these two products into products like heat pumps that we are now integrated with as well. So it sounds like what you're saying is that usually a customer will find out about Span when they're sort of in the process of, of buying something else like a heat pump or an EV charger. Um, mm-hmm. Once they have it, what are the other benefits that this product provides? Yeah. 
We have a, a strong number of customers that come direct to span simply because of the functionality we offer or the uh, product simplicity we offer. But once they have a span panel installed on their home, they, they typically are, are coming back. The, the primary mode of engagement is through the consumer app that we have, the homeowner app. And what they typically get is a functionality benefit and an economic benefit. The functionality benefit could be um, being able to control appliances or devices in their home that they previously could not control, right? Being able to control individual circuits, being able to monitor exactly how much uh, power is being consumed by an appliance. And we're increasingly improving the software capabilities of our system to give consumers the ability to identify when devices might fail uh, in their home. From an economic standpoint, it's often, you know, people talk a lot about ongoing energy efficiency or savings from energy. I think those are uh, hard for anybody to to uh, place a finger on, mostly because each of our living circumstances are different, right? But in almost all cases, there is a clear economic benefit when you make a considered purchase, whether you're buying a car, whether you're buying an air conditioning system, whether you're buying a battery, and that's where Span really shines for the customers. So... This is, you know, this panel is our new electric, our new uh, relationship with electricity. Do you, you're, you're kind of asking customers to become more invested in how their home works in, you know, choosing which devices to have on at any given time. What has the response to that been like? Are people, you know, nerding out about this or do you have customers who are like, I just put it on some kind of auto setting. I don't want to think about it. Like what are yeah. the range of reactions? Yeah, it, it really does range. I think the early adopters are the folks that tend to be uh, technophiles and they're, they're buying it because they really want to nerd out about it. Increasingly, we've, we've surpassed that early adopter ecosystem to customers of one of two categories. One that is very uh, environmentally minded and is already on that journey of buying an electric vehicle, of having solar on their roofs. And for them, this is a, a directionally necessary step for them to take as they continue to electrify their everyday lives. That is, switch their cooktops with induction cooktops, switch their heating systems with electric heat pumps like quilts. And there's a second category of customers that uh, is now more, more relevant to us than ever before, as uh, especially the US moves towards electrification mandates, where uh, they're simply making this decision because of the rational economic choice. It's not economical for them to have a gas-powered vehicle anymore. It's not economical for them to have a fuel-oil-powered fuel uh, HVAC system anymore. And SPAN enables them to make that transition incredibly seamlessly and cost-efficiently. So one significant bottleneck for electrification that I've written about is the workforce. And um, a lot of places, there are simply just not enough contractors equipped to install a lot of this new technology. So I'd love to hear from each of you about how you've dealt with that or are thinking about that. Um, Archin, you said you you work with some um, companies like Mitsubishi. Do you work directly with contractors or do you do any training or how do you sort of ensure quality control on this product? Yeah. Yeah, this is perhaps the, the, the largest challenge and therefore the biggest opportunity for us as we think about scaling electrification solutions. The technologies are out there like Quilt and Span. Uh, the demand is out there. Customers make rational choices. But fulfilling against it is going to be complex because this is a, uh, a, a an installation that often requires a licensed contractor to do the work. And that ecosystem is, is relatively small. Um, we work with contractors that are solar contractors, electrical contractors, now increasingly HVAC contractors as well. 
And we work to build an installer network where we can train them on how to both um, educate customers about the technology and to be able to give them a very high quality customer experience in terms of transparent pricing and very simple installation. So our installer network is, is continuing to grow and we, we partner with the right combination of distribution players as well as technology players to bring the solution to market to the contractors. When you got into this business, was that something that you were prepared to kind of deal with? Absolutely. I think for for uh, the last five years since, since I founded Span, we've maintained that there are sort of three legs to this tripod, right? Technology, demand generation, and fulfillment. Fulfillment being uh, entirely the contractor ecosystem or the deployment ecosystem that's required to get these solutions out to market at scale. And Paul, I know Quilt isn't on the market quite yet, but is this something that you guys are thinking about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, we're trying to get ahead of it. So um, we have also already started building an installer network and uh, made some announcements around this, but um, have partnered with three really, really great uh, installation businesses that are uh, you know, sort of growth oriented and very progressive thinking about how they're going to get labor and talent into the industry. And it's very, uh, you know, it's very uh, symbiotic because we can give them sort of the differentiation of the product and training and uh, some access to these um digital uh, consumer journeys that I was speaking about before that the type of people we have a quilt are, are good at making. We've been making things like that most of our career. What we haven't been doing is frankly installing heat pumps for the last 20 years like these folks have. So we can partner with them uh, to provide that part. You know, they'll, they, they can provide their expertise and we can grow together. And, uh, and so we are looking for sort of really forward looking partners that we want to go deeper with versus rather than trying to say build a hundred, you know, 100 partners out of the gate that we have very light touch with. Um, there's also something really interesting that we've discovered in this market is that in some ways, the labor market has a marketing problem more than anything. Meaning, if you want to join an HVAC contracting force, the barrier to entry is quite low. Uh, there, there is licensing, but the more senior uh, people at the company need to be licensed, but you can learn the, the skills on the job and then get licensed after working. So. I think part of the issue is, is frankly, it's just not as you know sexy as a job as some others out there. And people just aren't considering it. When actually, they are good careers. Like you talk to people who've been doing this for a decade, and they're making six figures, and they're doing well, and they're like, you know. So, and, and I think an, an analogy here is, I suspect there's a lot of people who are excited to go work at a gigafactory who weren't interested in working at a plant in Detroit. 30 years ago, because of sort of the the brand around the industry and the excitement. So, I think um, as you know, we can help drive that attractiveness on the labor side as well for the whole industry. Yeah. So it, and, and when it comes to this, you know, building relationships with contractors and sort of this, these networks, are you guys focusing on any areas geographically? Like, Arch, are you, are there particular parts of the country that you're focused on? Yeah. So when we uh, started uh, rolling out the Span product about two and a half, three years ago, we were initially focused on what we call the, the solar states, Right places where the adoption of solar and therefore by extension adoption of storage and EVs were, were fairly significant. So you can think about uh, the, the western coast of the United States all the way to the south and the southeast. Um, as we've been launching into more products around the home comfort space, including the fuel switching from gas-powered heating to electric heating, uh, the northeast has become an increasingly important market. And we've been, we've been investing in, in building out an installer network there. Um, to echo what Paul said, right, this is a... Uh, these are very uh, 
attractive jobs for a lot of people across the country. And oftentimes, these are generational jobs. There are a lot of people that have been doing this for, for decades now. And what we try to do outside of helping them understand the technology is give them the tools that they need to be successful. A simple example of that is when we work with electrical contractors uh, that are part of the SPAN network now, we give them the ability to maintain their credits, education credits required to keep their license active year on year through our portal or through our app, right? So uh, I think it's not just about trying to push them towards a new technology, it's bringing them closer towards what I think they care about to be successful as installers. So I wanted to move on and talk about the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, as many people watching this probably know, this is one of the biggest things that happened in the last year for climate tech. And um, it included a ton of subsidies for electrification, what we're talking about today. And these subsidies will be around for about 10 years. So I'm kind of curious how that changes things for each of you, because, you know, from what I understand, your companies existed before this legislation was out. Yeah. So, Arch, let's start with you. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act created a new tax credit for electrical panels. So homeowners can get, I think, up to $600. How much does SPAN's panel cost and... You know, how, how, how much does this sort yep. of help get the product out? Yeah. First, I'll start by calling out that the Inflation Reduction Act is easily one of the most forward-leading legislation that we've seen come out in the last 20 years uh, from, from any government, let alone the U.S. government. And the Department of Energy has been uh, incredible to work with in, in moving the ball forward. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act, Act has two pieces, right? There's a tax credit piece, which is what you what you called out just now. There's a $600 tax credit that any... any um, uh, anyone is able to access today. And separately, there's a cash rebate specifically designed to motivate low and moderate income households across the U.S. to also take this necessary step towards decarbonization. Uh, our, our panel costs $3,500 retail today, um, which, uh, which is actually fully covered by the Inflation Reduction Act if you're a low income household. It offers a, the Inflation Reduction Act offers a $4,000 cash rebate to a low income household and a $2,000 rebate for a moderate income household. What's lesser known and kind of ties back to your previous question is as an installer, you can get a, an additional $2,500 of a cash rebate for the labor associated with installation of set panel. Um, so by, by any measure, if you look at it, the demand is there if you're able to educate homeowners about the benefit of these technologies, we just have to find a way to get it out to customers in a hurry. And do these programs change anything about your approach in the coming years? Like, do you have plans to expand into other products or other um, other ideas? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's uh, probably a defensible statement to make that this is pulled forward our addressable market by at least a half a decade. You know, we were on a cost curve, if you will, that would have unlocked new segments of the market in the future. But we're pulling that forward to say we now have to have solutions that not only solve for single-family homes in the handful of states we described, but also solve for multifamily residences, potentially even small commercial. And when we think about solutions as opposed to point products, we're not just building a panel anymore. We're building, uh, you know, integrated solutions that we can bring to market, be it, again, resiliency solutions with batteries, home charging solutions with our EV SEs, or home comfort solutions that pair heat pump, uh, air conditioning and heat pump water heating solutions. That's directionally where we're going. And, and how about you, Paul? There's, of course, lots of incentives for heat pumps. Um, what does it mean for the launch of your product? 
hasn't changed that much. We've always been, we're trying to get to market as soon as possible. We want to make as much impact as soon as possible. Uh, this is an accelerant. I think it does to exactly what Arch said. It expands the addressable market. Um, it is, a, I also think it's a great signaling um, to the market and consumers that this is, this is to, you know, this is to stay, whether it's quilt or any heat pump, it, it, it's a new technology. And I, I think it's a, it's a vote of confidence um, that, you know, th this is going to be the way forward uh, to the average consumer who maybe isn't familiar with the term heat pumps are actually been around for a very long time. Um, yeah. So in other words, it hasn't really changed our strategy, but I think it has just sort of added fuel to the fire. Um, Quilt is a much younger company than Span. We're not in market yet. This is why, you know, I, I showed you a Mitsubishi unit up there. I, I, in my own office, I don't have one here because we had one from before, but um, uh, we do have them in some other homes. But yeah, we'll be in the market next year, hopefully right at the same time uh, that these incentives are coming to coming to market. So yeah, yeah. Well. if I can actually put in a plug for for heat pumps, right? Uh, there's an eight and a half thousand dollar rebate that you can collect if you're a low income household uh, for making that switch to heat pumps as well. And the really yeah. neat thing is you don't have to strip out the existing ducted heating system you have in your home. You're just installing a new solution that displaces ostensibly much of the need for you to use a gas-powered heating system in a home. So we're incredibly excited about the future of electrification. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Um, do do either of you want to just share any closing thoughts on you know, our new relationship with electricity moving forward? Yeah, I'm happy to go first. Um, I think we've been on an incredible journey trying to bring the cost down of renewable energy, right, since the beginning of the century. And that has meant that we have more affordable sources of clean energy, either powered by the utility or decentralized sources of clean energy like solar on your roof. But it doesn't change the fundamental fact that if your appliances are powered by gas, those electrons are not displacing those gas molecules, right? So the only way for us to truly shift towards a decarbonized future is for us to change those end uh, demand of fossil, be it the cars we drive, be it the way we heat our spaces, our water, cook our food, et cetera. And that's why I think this is our decade to decarbonize through electrification. Paul, any, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just want to say how cool this is as a species. So um, fire goes back a million years. Homo or, uh, sapiens is only about 300,000 years. So we've actually been using fire to heat our homes, cook our food, bring light to our homes for old, like longer than our entire species has existed. And that's not an exaggeration. So if we can successfully complete the transition that actually started in the 19th century with the light bulb. Think about fire produces, light produces heat. So we, we fixed the light thing about a year, uh, 150 years ago. We're now working on the heat side, whether it's to cook, water, HVAC, whatever. Um, we're gonna complete a transition that is truly like a species level transition. It will be the first time in the entire history of humanity that we're not using combustible fuels uh, to power our lives. And I just think that's an incredibly cool thing that we can all be a part of. and. Uh, I don't know what more you could ask for. So let's get it done. Well, thank you both so much for being with us today. Thanks to SOSV for hosting this event and have a good rest of your afternoon. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Arch. Thanks, Emily.